for whatever reason, my computer won't recognize my microphone. So low audio quality, high mentorship quality. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Good. Uh, I just finished a department head meeting and you're like, Mary Kate, you're not a department head. Correct. But there I was. <laughs> Welcome back to Depth and Distance, where we try to break leadership down into manageable skills that anyone can learn because everyone who is in the military is leading somebody, even if that is peer leadership. And if we invest in making ourselves better leaders, then I promise everything else gets better. And today we're going to be talking about two topics, both of which have to do with managing your managers. So what do you do when you want to be a really great leader and you have someone leading you who's not so much, not as not as motivated to be a good leader or, or motivated but struggling? Because I think there's a lot of good intentions, bad execution out there. So I am talking today with Mary-Kate, who I met when I was her instructor. One million years ago. So it's a very small Navy. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. Like Lexa said, I'm Mary Kate and I am a supply officer. We met when I was a student in the Supply Corps school and she was my food service instructor. And I was not her best student, but I do think I was her most passionate (laughs) student. Um, so it has been a long time. I am currently on a shore tour in Whidbey Island, Washington. My first tour operational was on a carrier and now I'm enjoying some little downtime on my shore tour before I head out soon this summer to my department head tour. Yay. We got you. (laughs) You got me. You're almost out. And then we brought you back in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to talk about step one, managing your managers. (laughs) To to start, have you ever had a difficult boss? Yes. Haven't we all? Uh, all Without too many details, what was your experience trying to be a leader who was having difficulty being led? I think in my my cases, and I was thinking last night when I knew that we were going to do this conversation today, I was thinking about all the bosses I've had, and I've had a lot like maybe more than you would expect in the general rotation of the tours I've done. Just either people retired or they weren't a good fit. At one point on the carrier, I was working for a reservist who also was one of my instructors at the schoolhouse. I know her. Can you hear her? Oldest ensign in the Navy. Yes. He's not, he's not really an ensign, but. No, but he was the oldest human on the carrier. That checks. And if I remember correctly, at least when he was at the schoolhouse, he would swim the PRT so fast that Prims would literally not let us put his actual time in. I believe that. He's extremely yeah. fit. He was not hard to work for. As the one person I've name dropped so far, I was going to say, don't break my heart. Um, <laughs> but the position he was in, I was a divo and he was one of the PAs. And that particular position in the just shy of three years I was on the carrier, that position turned over seven times, which is kind of bonkers. Well, don't say that to me. I'm headed to a PA position. She's like, I'm putting the firing juju on you now. <laughs> Part of it was like people rotating for grad school. And there were there were a lot of reasons. It wasn't all bad. But it did give me a lot of exposure to different kinds of leaders. And I think overall of the, the people that come to mind that I struggled more to work for than others, it was not understanding what they wanted. And oh, I was, yeah. How do I accomplish this if I don't know what this is? 
what do you want? Yeah. How do I get this to you? I would love to get you the end product, but I don't know what it is. And so then I'm struggling in tasking things down. I'm struggling in delegation. I'm struggling in delivery and like nobody's having a good time or getting with it. Yeah. Right. Which is so frustrating because then what you end up with when you have a leader like that is everybody's working harder than they have to and nothing is getting done, which is like, like short of like actual abusive leadership. That's pretty much the worst. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 Because everyone's like burnt out and frustrated and you're like, I don't understand how all of this can be true at once. Right. Right. Yeah. What proportion of leaders would you say are like good, truly bad, and mediocre that you've had? That I've had, I would say I had maybe 20% really good, 20% really bad, and 60% mediocre. First off, good on you for doing that math that fast. I was over here like, oh no, I have to add. It's a pretty good ball curve, right? Like, I mean, I think just in the general sense of humanity, some bad leader is going to like, like sneak their way in. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Peter principle, but it's like, we promote people until they're not doing well. So like, if you're really good O3, you make O4. And then if you suck as an O4, then you don't make O5. Right. Um, But you're still in O4. The problem is that, that leaves you as a suckio for yeah. and just like, yeah. And so like, you're going to get kind of like at least the bottom spectrum. 20% good leaders is pretty good. I was trying to do that math for myself. And I think I'm, I think I'm closer to 30, really good, 30, really bad and 40 in the middle. Okay. Cause I've had some really good leaders and I've had leaders that like straight up, I had to file IGs on because it was like way out of hand. How in like a general sense, do you think you respond to bad leadership? What is your kind of knee jerk reaction? I'm frustrated pretty fast. I'm yeah. getting better at that as I <laughs> more life experiences, but I think I get frustrated fast. And then like, I'm no longer motivated to like solve the problem productively. I just want to get to the end. Mm, yeah, it's definitely like, it goes from like, what's the best solution to like, how do I literally just make this stop? Be done. Yeah. 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 Which like, I mean, there can be real consequences. I think you're right. A lot of it changes like over the course of your career. I had a really bad leader really early. And I mean, I looked back and it was like, wow, that was a really immature response to that situation. Cause I was literally like, I'm going to make this as hard as possible I'm going to make their life as miserable as possible. I'm going to be as bratty as possible. I am sure that that person also has feelings about me because like the worst they made my life, the the worst I was, I was like, you want to be mean? I'll give you a reason to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Uh, and really, yeah. I think thankfully I was like under the cover of being a junior officer who was still getting like PE vows. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, like it doesn't show up in my record, but I mean, I think there's a lot of of risk there. I will say for me, like my whole JO tour was on the carrier. So I had three PAs to talk to and, and the supply officer. And I had, you know, very senior enlisted and Oh, by the way, there was a CO and XO and other department heads. So anytime I've been like, just absolutely overwhelmed with my 
inability to to relate to what the leadership choices are being made, there was somebody else I could talk to, which was nice. I didn't have to like react directly to one person all the time. Yeah. Which had benefits for sure. I mean, they talk about that in our career path, right? Is like one of the benefits of the first tour I took is that I was surrounded by people with more experience than me. Yeah. And I had the opposite. Yeah. I went to, so the CVs where it was just me and a department head. I mean, we had chiefs and I had some really great chiefs who, who did some great mentorship. And then I went from there to the sub. So I had, I had squadron, I had whoever, but they're not in the room with you. Yeah. Not a lot of, <laughs> not a lot of people in situ. Yeah. And I think I've definitely, I definitely hold, still hold malicious compliance, like close to my heart. I think, especially for me, leader, I go to like, if that's exactly what you say, I'm going to give you exactly what you say so that you can understand how unclear you're being. Uh, (laughs) Also not a productive tactic most of the time. You uh, should reach out to my, not my current boss, but the one before him who's on a CVN now. He will tell you the majority of the time I executed malicious compliance to such diligence getting ready for an inspection that I like probably did four times the amount of work just to prove a point. And he was like, is this the hill you're dying on? And I was like, yeah, it actually is though. I have yeah. been <laughs> malicious com- like once I've found the hill, malicious compliance is usually how, how I will choose to go on yeah. that hill for sure. And I think yeah. there's places I, I want to couch this with like, I think there's places for some of this. There are places for malicious compliance when people are giving you tasking that does not make sense. And you have tried to like communicate that it doesn't make sense. I think personally, there is still a place for fine. I will do what you said. As long as no one's life is at risk, the mission's not at risk. If it's something stupid, then it's like, you want to, you want to play, we can saddle up. Right. Um, yeah, you have to like weigh the you have to weigh the risks. <laughs> Mine was changing a cover sheet in this inspection example. There was, no. it was it was for our training program, which I took from zero to passing, and I would consider that a win. So then they were like digging for hits, and and one of the hits was that we didn't they didn't like the way we were routing the the, the front cover of the training. So I changed nothing at all about what I was routing, except I put in bold red lettering front cover on the piece of paper. And they can't tell me it's not the front cover anymore. They had, I'm sure they had feelings about that. On the other hand, inspectors, when inspectors, and I know like D guts is going to hear this because he was an inspector for a long time. And I, I'm actually curious to know what he thinks of it, but when inspectors bring their personal opinions on stuff that is like not, and they're just like, well, this isn't how I would do it. And it's like, I don't care. (laughs) Is it to the instruction? Does it meet the purpose? If it does those two things. That's the definition of like trying to deliver a product that you don't have clear guidance on. How are we, how are we making this a personal task? Like, yeah. it's not written down like that. Just let me do it the way it's written down. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my big gripes. I had a food service inspection when I was department head on the sub. And they came in and they were like, well, we just don't like how you're 
like cook it because like one of the categories is like the food is flavorful and they were just like well we just don't like it and I was like it's not what do you want from me oh yeah okay so skipping apparently to step two since I didn't I just step one which I'm confused about one of the things that I talk about when you have a bad boss is looking to get behind the action so my experience in probably being a bad boss at some point is that the problem is usually not the problem. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I totally understand. Have you had something where it's like somebody was difficult to work with and then you found like whatever that mysterious thing that they weren't saying was that was the real problem? Yes. And that's also super relevant to me right now because the boss that I have today, the 05 that I work for is amazing. I really, really am happy working for him. And he did not know where that sentence was going. (laughs) He's good. He's really great. And he says, he said that to me fairly recently when I was kind of griping about somebody in kind of my, my leadership chain. It's, I was griping about that person not doing something that I needed them to do so I could do my part. And he said Mm. basically that he said, what is his, what is the friction for him? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, go figure that out. And I kind of think I figured it out. And it wasn't something that I personally could resolve very well. But it makes such a difference when you can have that perspective. Yeah. And I think empathy is so hard, especially because we're so outcome focused. And and I think you nailed it because it's like, if it's something I can fix, 10 out of 10 Because if it's literally just something I can fix, now I know that I can fix it and we're good. But most of the time, it's not something I can fix. But at least if I can understand it, there's a greater chance that I can keep my cool. Yes. And or find workarounds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It helps Um, me not transition to that like grumpy, malicious compliance. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I didn't ever like personally have this experience to to a great extent, but with like the communication thing, I think in circumstances, usually you can be more patient because there's a language barrier. It's a lot more difficult to be patient. When the tone or the way they express a certain thing doesn't work. And that's not necessarily how we would make that statement. And so it sounds a lot more harsh or abrupt. Yeah. I've seen that happen too, where it's like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that's what you mean to say. I think that happens because we get people from like so many different parts of the United States. Yeah. I think that happens even just like, I'm, I'm very Southern. My husband is from the back Northwest. We've been living in New England for a long time. And I think just like, what is appropriate? What is like, how blunt should you be? Do you Mm -hmm. talk to like strangers in public? Like some of those norms are just different. Yeah. And so I know that sometimes I come off as like very in your face. And it's like, we put our drama on the front porch. Like, that's the kind of Southern I am. And so for me, like, not doing that is like, why? (laughs) Yeah. But it's very confusing for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Versus in New England, which is where my family's from, you're hiding that in the basement. Yeah, you just like put on a put on a a stoic face and just like get your dunks on the way to the packy. Um, (laughs) Ian Brownhill's been like, I know, (laughs) took five years. 
Ian Brownhill is going to just like show up at my door and be like, what'd you say about dunks? Uh, and so like, so some of the things that I suggested people look for, and I have on clear communicator, communicate, I have on clear communicator, whether that is cultural vocabulary or whatever. Sometimes it's like, they don't really know what they want, which I think is really frustrating. Right. Or they don't have like a framework. They don't have anything to build off of, which can be really hard. And then some of those other like behind the scenes things is like people who are indecisive. For me, I've seen it a lot be actually like from insecurity. They're mm. so worried about making the right decision yeah. that they end up like flip-flopping a lot. And it's not because they're trying to make your life harder. It's like they just really don't want to mess up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. People who who are erratic. I think that kind of goes to one of the ones that you were talking about is like they're frustrated but there's like something behind it because maybe to your point, like they think they're being clear. You're trying to do what they say. It's not coming up. So everybody gets like, frustrated, angry, whatever. But sometimes it's like, there's a third factor. They're stressed out at home. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they, I, I find that one a lot, which is like, and I, and I find it in myself, which is like, and I think we all do like when I'm having a bad day, just don't have the capacity yeah. to be as patient and nice as I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. And once you've kind of gotten behind, right, the the behavior, now you have to decide if you're going to like face it down, like say what you're going to say, or if you're just going to kind of manage it at your level. How do you think through that process? In terms of like confronting the leader that I'm struggling with or just like handling my stuff and down and, and moving on with my life. Yeah. I, I think historically more often than not, I have chosen less confrontation, which I wouldn't say that I'm non-confrontational, but I would say that I'm like not confronting like up the chain of command very often. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of risk to that. There's a lot of risk to that, especially if it's already a person or a position where there's friction because they've asked yeah. me three times and I haven't delivered. Like I know they're already upset with me. And, and I think oftentimes if somebody is already upset and then I come to them or anybody comes to them wanting to kind of continue talking about why ever they're upset, it, it just it, it inflames it a little bit. It feels like telling someone who's to calm down. It's like, right. <laughs> Nothing's right. Ever made me less calm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm comfortable asking for clarification. Like, I would love to complete this task for you, but I'm struggling with understanding what you want. Can we sit down and do this together? If they yeah. if something that could be handled that way, can I meet up with you to go over this before we brief it? Those kinds of things, I think, are good ways to meet in the middle. That don't come off as like you are mad at me and I don't know what to do next or I want you to stop being mad at me or I want you to calm down. Yeah. And I know that I do well with those kinds of things. Like if I give somebody who works for me a tasker and it doesn't come back right and they say, okay, could you help me do this? That is a much better way for that conversation to move forward for my personality. So Mm. I, I don't know if it works for every personality, but I know it works for me. Yeah. I think that you've hit on a couple of really like things that I think about a lot, which is like one, how much power does this person to have, have to make my life miserable? 
in in both the short term and the long term, right? Because like some some people, it's a leader that's maybe like not in your direct chain of command. They don't sign your fit rep or anything, but like they could make your life miserable, right? Like if you're a department head and another department head, right? Or if if they are in my chain of command for my fit rep or whatever, and it's like, dude, they could they could burn down a lot of years of hard work here, right? Right. And like to some extent, those are the people that I think I, I I take a pause first. Like there's there's a longer pause, and then I start thinking about things of like what is their personality versus mine. And I love the way you phrased what what you said, where it was like I'm not understanding. I want to do this. I'm not understanding. I think a lot of times it's very disarming to the leader if instead of coming in like guns a blazing, which is of course what I always want to do is right. just be like, you are telling me what you want. This you is giving me kickbacks. Like, yeah. it's, like you want to do that. And I think you have to like vent that frustration in a safe direction. Sure. And then if you can go in with some humility, real or not, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes yeah. you got to fake it so you make it and just yeah. be like, I might be not, I just, I'm not picking up what you're putting down here. And I think that helps when it's a communication issue. It's harder if it's somebody who's like erratic, like if it's somebody whose temper really gets the best of them, I think it's harder to be like, "Hey, I'm making you bad and I don't know why." Like that gets <laughs> that gets yeah. into like a weird space for me. Yeah, I think there's that on that one. Yeah, I think you definitely do. If you do have to manage it at your level, right? Kind of block and tackle. Because mm-hmm. I, I like that's part of what a leader does, right? Is like you're, you provide top cover so that if <laughs> bad stuff comes down the line, like you're supposed to fry and clean it up before it gets to your people. Mm-hmm. Not only because like that's your job, but because typically if you can keep some of the nonsense at your level, like you'll actually get better work. Right. What do you what do you think about when you are trying to keep things at your level? How do you manage that? I think for any or for most of the bad leader examples, somebody with a temper, somebody who's got decision paralysis, like any of those, forecasting and getting mm-hmm. ahead of them. And absolutely. Almost any time that I've shown up with a plan on how to execute somebody before how to execute something before my boss knew that we needed a plan, my plan got approved. Yeah. It's very disarming. Like it's, it benefits decision paralysis, right? It relieves them of that decision making. If it's anger, it gets ahead of whatever some of those like friction points might Mm -hmm. be. It gives them a base to just like provide feedback. And it, I think it displays a competence. I think that's a great plan most like to just like try and, and really get ahead of stuff. And I like what to do the- that for my people too, because then I can say, Hey, I need a plan to hypothetically figure out how to cut the entire crew's hair during COVID. What should we do? <laughs> this is falling. And totally hypothetical, totally hypothetical. But then my barbers get the buy-in on that plan oh. or my LPO, whatever level, you know, we bring into the conversation 
gets the buy yeah. that plan. And those are the people that have to execute the plan. So then I can go to my boss and say, Hey, we realize that this expectation is going to be hard to meet. Here's our step-by-step process that we want to do to meet it. If you're good with this, we're ready to start on this day. And nobody's surprised if I walk out of the room with that plan and a thumbs up, everybody's already. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you hit on a couple of things there, which is like getting buy-in from people so that you don't have to take a lot of revisions back to them. Because I think especially if you're talking about somebody who's being temperamental or is indecisive, bringing like, hey, I know you approved this, but it turns out I can't execute that. You end up with a lot of why didn't you ask your chief or, Mm -hmm. you know, how come that like, why am I, why are we backtracking here? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, some of the other ones that I've seen and used and really like is like asking people for their advice because it works in two ways, which is like, it's an easy way to pass information, but also it gets them invested in the solution. And for me, if I have like an insecure boss or one who's kind of a micromanager, kind of pumping them up and involving them has been real and and somewhat for erratic behavior too, for like temperamental people where, again, it's very disarming to be like, hey, I really respect your opinion. And I don't mean to like lie. I just mean like, whether you like them as a boss, they got to be your boss somehow. And they have a say on how the final product comes out. So you can say, I I care about your advice in this arena, or I want your input, I need some mentorship. And people are a lot more invested in in you and in the outcome and in the process at that point. Um, Yeah, I like that one way I do that. And I don't do it often, because it turns disingenuous very fast if you're doing it too frequently. mm -hmm. But I love I'll have to ask my boss if they're okay. Yeah. Like if they're, if I feel like they're like really spun up and you, the timing is important and the way you say it is important. But if you're like, hey, are you okay? And I love that technique because it's worked on me. Like I've had people do that to me where I'm like, am I okay? Wait a second. And sometimes you don't realize how spun up you are. And maybe it's about something silly or maybe it's not. But yeah, that's, I think, I think those two things are kind of similar. Like, yeah, bringing in there. I think like checking on them, kind of taking taking it out of like the immediate friction point of whatever you're working on, and just having like a more human conversation is typically pretty helpful. Yeah, and I think that distinction is what's really important. Which is like I can ask for advice and mentorship and stuff, kind of preemptively, mm-hmm. and if someone is reacting, especially if they're reacting temperamentally, erratically, whatever, and it's unusual, I can finish that conversation, take a step back, start some wheels of turning. And then I think if you like have that separation and you go back and you're just like, hey, that was a little unusual. Everything good? I think you're right. I think sometimes you can kind of stop some of that behavior from becoming a pattern. Right. Or escalating. Yeah, because I think it goes back to like, there's a lot of people who want to be good leaders, who may even think they're good leaders. And they and I mean, I'm guilty of this too, where it's like, and then you have bad days. And you can do a lot of damage in a couple of bad days. For sure. 
And then you were talking about that clarity one. And I, I call this like the journalist response. I think Brene Brene Brown, whose name I can definitely pronounce, calls it painting done. And it's like, if you have a boss who's unclear, then your job as a leader of other people who are going to finish the tasking becomes to be the journalist who asks all the probing questions of like, when do you need that? How often would you like updates? Is there a color you have in mind? Is there a flavor? Is there a, I mean, sorry, as a, as a food service person, (laughs) you know this about me. It's the only way I think, Uh, you know, but is there, are there specifications? What, what does really a perfectly executed version of this look like to you? And if you can ask the questions to get there, everyone will be happier. Right. Yeah. And it's a skill though, right? Like asking good questions yeah. is hard. Yeah. Asking good questions, knowing the right questions to ask, and then knowing how to ask the questions so you get the right answer. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing if you're at a real answer. I think the thing for me is that a lot of times with this, you get brushed off. I don't care. I don't know whatever you think is best. And you have to push through that because it's not helpful. Right. There probably is a preference that you need to dig a little more for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to do the leadership challenge real quick. I won't uh, weigh you down too much with it. Okay. We just had a new department head report. Things have not been going well. They're constantly in your office asking you what you're doing and second guessing your small decisions. When they give you tasks, they tend to pass on exactly what was said in a meeting with no other information or guidance. And worst of all, People are starting to avoid updating them on projects because if they hit a snag or something goes wrong, your department head will scream at them. The atmosphere is getting more and more tense. Morale is plunging. Productivity is at a crawl. How do you manage this new department head? This is not you. You're not going to be this kind of department head. How do you manage the new department head and get your team back to their work and out from under all of the stress? So I'm the divo. Is that... I'm the divo. It was written so it could be either like a divo, a chief, an LPO, but you're, okay. you're an L. Them, so you can... me and then everybody else-ish. Yes. Okay. I think that's the first thing you said about the department head is not really giving much input while passing word. That's a hard one if you're missing part of the picture. So definitely mm-hmm. figuring out a way to get more information from them. I mean... I might ask to go to the meeting. Mm, okay. Can I go to the meeting? Can sure. I take this for meeting off your plate and can I be there? Depends on yeah. who's hosting that meeting and if they're cool with that. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a very direct way. That's probably not going to work 100% of the time, but that's my first reaction is like, all right, if we're, if we're not getting out of anything out of the meeting, why don't I go and see? Yeah. And maybe if I've never been to that meeting, maybe it's just a bad meeting and, and the new department head is is not it's not on them leaving anything out they're just not getting much either but yeah I would try to see where else that information is being passed out passed around I mean if it's in my experience typically if something is coming out at the department head level it's also coming out at like the CMC kind of level so you can tell pretty quickly I'm used to a bigger command too so yeah I don't know that's true it's true even on a sub those aren't big commands so, like, somebody should be funneling information to the officers and somebody should be funneling information to the senior enlisted. And it's pretty easy to tell early and fast if those two 
sets of information are just not the same. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't, you can't do anything <laughs> until you know, until you know what What's you're going on. looking for. Yeah. And so then if I'm not able to just go get the information myself, I would have to learn what questions need to be asked and figure out how to, how to guide them. I love a good tracker. I love a good spreadsheet log kind of thing. <laughs> Who in the military doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> the U.S. Um, military runs on the back of Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, for real. So I don't, maybe implementing some kind of product where I'm developing a pass down log that I'm giving down passing down literally, but looping yeah. in the department head so they can see the kind of information that I'm trying to pass down, which just might illuminate to them a little bit more some things that they could fill me in on. Yeah. I think that's a good way to bring them in. And you can attack that with the asking them for advice. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I understand we're not bringing you the products you want. I'm trying to figure out if, you know, and this is sort of that like humility thing. It's like, I'm trying to figure out if it's like my communication. So I'm going to start looping you in on our tracker and, you know, some of I'll follow up about what we're passing at quarters or whatever. Let, you know, help, help me figure out where my miscommunications happening. Because if you kind of own that, sometimes it can be like, you know, they, they might be able to take that hard look. They might not be able to admit that they took the hard look, but they might be able to be like, oh, that's what's happening here. That's okay. If we get to the end result, we get to the end result. That's fine. Yeah. I think for me, reading this scenario back, because I try and write them with like enough time that I'm kind of looking at them again with fresh eyes. For me, this just like reeks of insecurity. Like this is someone, and, and it's because I feel this way every time I get to a new command. And it really is like, it either spirals up or it spirals down. Either I figure the job out and I kind of get the lay of the land and things get better very quickly, or I start to get nervous about how little I know. I start to feel that like pressure of expectations. And then I like, I want to hold things really tightly, but it just, the more I squeeze, the worse things get. And so for me, that's what that feels like. That's probably my personal experience with one of my particularly bad bosses coming in is like the more obvious it became they were in over their head, the worse things got. And so for me, like my reaction to this is like feed them information, pump them up, get that buy-in, mm-hmm. be like, no, this is a hard job. You're doing great. There's a lot to learn. And to your point of like the meetings, like let me know if I can backseat a couple of meetings in case there's just some like situational stuff that you didn't get in turnover. Right. Right. And like just disarm them in that way of like, I want to help you be successful. And without verbalizing it, be like, I think the problem is you're like the old thing about like, you're trying to run to catch up with the train. Mm -hmm. I want to help you get up to speed. Like I want to help you go. Um, And I think that works at basically all levels of leadership. That is basically what a lot of chief mentorship is, right. Is like, they are trying to say, I have more information than you and I want to help you be better. <laughs> that's a lot of a lot of senior enlisted is in that. And I think that's where the good and bad officer t- to a large extent come in is like, can they set aside the insecurity a little bit mm-hmm. and do that spiral up? Or do they 
feed the insecurity, deny the help, and kind of white knuck- try and white knuckle it, which works sometimes, but it's tiring. I definitely tried that second option my first tour for most of my first tour. Like, I think the longer the longer I've gone on, the the less of the white knuckling I've done, and the more of like asking questions and, and being open I've done. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to do. It's hard to hold everything in tight and doing a job. It's just yes. There's too many moving parts. It's too busy. There's too much going on. No one person can do it. No one person should do it. That's why there's more than one of us. And I think that's where a lot of, I mean, it's not a lot of the burnout in the military is because we're truly understaffed and overtaffed, in my humble opinion. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but sorry, recruiting. Um, but the rest of it is exactly what you said, which is like people are trying so hard to white knuckle it. And you can do that for a very limited period of time. Right. And then the wheels were, will really start to fall off. And if you're already in white knuckle mode, the more wheels fall off, the more white knuckle you're going to be until, I mean, for real, things go sideways. Big crash. Yeah, big crash. And I think it's hard to hear feedback in that scenario, which is one of the reasons for me. If the person can frame it as me helping them, if the person can frame it as like inviting me in, it seems less of an attack. And so I'm like more open, even though sneaky, sneaky, they're really managing me. <laughs> yeah. And I think similarly in the way where you're holding on tight, because that's what you think you have to do to get the job done. And I'm definitely speaking for myself in this case, I tend to be slow to trust. And mm. so new person in a position where typically for us, we're we're new to that specific position and we're also new to like the generic part of the position, right? Like you're a department yeah. head first time on your first time, like that you do everything yeah. once and you move on. So depending on that person's comfort level with what's going on, if they're less comfortable with what's going on, if they're more insecure in the role, I know for me, I would be a little slower to trust what's going on. I'm not going to receive like, Hey, don't worry, man, we got it. I'm going to be like, but do you, can you please show yeah. Can you please prove it to me? And that also plays off as a, like, I'm holding on to everything so tight and it's hard to do. And it's like, eventually you have to trust and, and let go. So in a subordinate role to somebody that I see that happening to, it's my job to, to make sure they trust me. It's my yeah. job to deliver a good product. It's my job to deliver an on-time product. It's my job to tell them the true story, even when it's the hard story. Um, yeah. And those patterns that I'm engaging in over and over again, I would hope would just eventually turn into the department head being more comfortable. Yeah. And I think there is a little bit of, to, to go back to the old thing of fake it till you make it, which is like, if I can, if I can involve you and I can show some trust and also use some of those like senior enlisted routes to make sure that we're getting a clear full picture and we're forecasting and all of these things, then probably eventually you'll get up to speed and we'll build some trust. And then I won't have to do all of those things Yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah. I think that's 10,000%. Yeah. Eventually, I mean, That's the dream when you manage up is not just that you'll manage up long enough for one of the two of you to transfer, <laughs> but that if... <laughs> Which is how most of us do it. But, I mean, like, 
depending on what the problem is, if you manage up correctly, if you find whatever that root source is and you really get to it, you can actually push past it and then you'll be a better, you'll be better off. They'll be a better leader, hopefully, but it's taxing in the meantime. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully if you've done it right too, the impact to everybody below you has been softened. Yeah. I mean, which is, I think a lot of what being a leader is, is, is exactly that it's catching the flack, the stress, the indecision, whatever it is at your level, doing whatever you can to minimize it so that the people who are like doing the work, at least in the military, our job is to keep all the rest of the noise kind of like out of focus for them so that they can do the work. And I think that's part of managing it because you have to be like, look, if I let this get to me, it's going to get to them. And that's just not fair because that's not what they signed up for. This has been really fun. I miss you. I miss you. I won't, I won't say where you're going for your department head tour, but I'm sad that it's far away from where I'm going to my department head tour. So one of these days I'm going to just recruit you onto my team. I don't know where where I'll be, but you will be my ASEPO and we will make dominate. Or go down in flames. Very hard to tell. Oh, you mean like fire and ice. Like fire and ice. We're cool, but we're on fire. Passionate. Nailing it. Oh my gosh. Sorry. For context, we do a table setting competition, or we used to at Supply Corps School. And Mary Kate's team did like a whole fire and ice theme. You guys weren't the ones who put pine cones in the glasses, were you? Uh, yeah, we were. Oh, yeah. You definitely were. Yeah. We Horrible. Ice <laughs> actual ice. And then we hid. <laughs> we hid the- we hid the whole table behind a curtain that you did. We gave a speech and then dropped the curtain. Yeah. There was a lot of showmanship, but they literally had pine cones in the wine glasses. And our warrant officer was like, <laughs> what is the actual S? <laughs> I think it was great. I mean, we, we put a lot of energy into it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say effort. And I was like, no, nope, effort, nope. effort might be stretching it, but energy and for sure. <laughs> I DJ'd it even. I'm pretty sure I was playing. I Ugh, I've blocked it out. This has been so fun. I know you've got entrepreneur stuff to do, so I won't keep you. Is there anything you would like to plug? Anyone you'd like to give a shout out to? Nothing specific. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. I've been I've been raising my hand to to join Alexis on this podcast since I don't know pretty early, and my my only plug is to you because as we've been recording this, my roommate and fellow lieutenant from my first tour was sending me your reels. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I assume she knows we know each other. She does know we know each other, so okay. he was like sending it to me, and I was like, "Oh, this is silly." I'm talking to her right every, now. Every once in a while, somebody who knows me gets sent something of mine by someone who clearly does not realize we know each other, and it's yeah. always so awkward for me. I'm like, "I'm so sorry. I know you don't want to see or hear any more of me. So sorry." It's good. You have great <laughs> stuff. I like the way you're bringing the conversations to the table. So thank you. Yikes. I'm going to try and be real cool because I'm bad at accepting compliments. So this is me (laughs) not being awkward. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us on Depth and Distance podcast. I hope this was an illuminating conversation about thinking 
about how you have a bad boss, why they might be a bad boss, and how you can help manage that so that you're more productive, they're more productive, your people are more productive, and overall, everyone has a better experience. Um, We're going to try and come out with a second episode this week that will be about how you have that confrontation if you decide that you're going to have it. So hopefully, that is something we can all learn from and none of us need to use. (laughs) Have a good one.